Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. My guest this week is photographer and creative director, James Harvey Kelly. You've seen his work in Ralph Lauren ads, Drake's, P. Johnson, and he's helped pioneer the resurgence of documentary-style photography in menswear. He's one of the few photographers who's become a style icon himself, with his signature utility vest and cowboy hat, and he's on the pod. James and I chat his love of photography, his work in fashion, why he loves film, and his obsession with jazz. And last but not least, he shares what camera to start taking pictures with. You were pretty hard to get because you're always like in a faraway place that's remote with like no cell service. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's the one thing about COVID actually. Actually, I haven't said that. I, I have had no cell service the last few weeks. But that's the thing with COVID. Obviously, I've been, I've been home a lot more, which has actually been the quite opposite problem to adjust to. But then you just end up being just like stuck in your own four walls, and just it, which gets a bit intense in itself. Yeah, yeah. Where have you been lately? Because you you were in Scotland for like the past. For yeah, a so I was shooting a I was shooting a campaign up there for a very commercial brand, but we were on the Karski Estate, which is in Argyle, mm-hmm. and it's just um, it's I mean like the, the like the Hebrides and kind of like northern like northwest Scotland are just incredible. That's it's so it's such like I think in France and in a lot of parts of Europe and obviously in the states you're used to these big landscapes. But we don't really have them in England in the same way. They're very like you know we've got charming kind of rolling hills and all this kind of stuff, but you don't really get the big craggy kind of like rocks and kind of big mountains and these kind of these vast skies and stuff like that. And you have that in the north of Scotland, and it's just I mean, and if you have good weather, which is obviously rare, it's just I mean it's it's incredible. It's very wild seas, and you get like you get dolphins up there and seals and otters. Dolphins and, like yeah we saw dolphins yeah so that was pretty cool and those shoots were always amazing because like the whole point of it we were there for like a week um right. just we were shooting for like four days with them it's travel and scout and stuff like that and we were staying at the big house on the estate and actually just um you just kind of lived in that world for the shoots that's the kind of point of it and you kind of just like and you know and, and you just kind of absorb it and it's yeah it's, it, it was incredible super super nice so it's really nice to do that again obviously kind of with covid all these travel jobs have been a bit more limited and you know just right. quite quick when they happen so it's been nice to actually uh get back into a proper one where you can really settle into it yeah you you said like you were talking about like settling into the shoots and that they they take a while I mean, I want to talk about your, you know, your life and backstory and photography, but to to just humor me for a bit, when you're when you're doing some of these shoots, um, and my like feeble brain here is like, oh, okay, a shoot for clothes or a shoot for something like that. You get five outfits, you go into a room, you take the pictures, and you leave the room. But you're you guys like almost do like a documentary like a like a photojournalism documentary like how how is this set up yeah yeah i mean well that's kind of the point of it really it's about storytelling and i think like all good fashion photography um isn't really at a time about the clothes i think you start with great portraiture and great storytelling 
Um, so, so with that, and, and I think a, a lot of what I do is is about those kind of like old narrative stories that you saw, you know, back in the day from people like Abercrombie and J. Crew and stuff like that, which I really, really love. And it's about just going to a place and kind of creating a really authentic environment. Obviously, you have to kind of plan stuff and be very meticulous so you get to the right spot with the right light and all of that. But you want it to feel real and you want to kind of just enjoy it. And, you know, and more often than not, it does and it should feel like like a bit of a holiday. Right, like a holiday which you're getting paid for. Yeah, <laughs> that that's living the dream. Mm. Um, but you're still, you know, in in the in your your the career that you've had, like photography was definitely not like where you started, right? Like, wh- yeah, where did I you mean, kind of it, chime in, in in the industry here? Well, do, do you know what? Okay, so I, I it, it kind of isn't it isn't where I started. Like, I I've always been very interested in photography, and I was always, but I was always quite intimidated by photography because I love it so much. And I think I always found, and I was always very interested in fashion. Mm-hmm. But when I was growing up, I very much grew up around the kind of photography, which was like documentary photography, which was art photography. And I didn't really look at a lot of fashion photography. So I didn't really know how to marry those two things. Um, but yeah, no, I started obviously kind of very much in menswear and in design. I started on the shop floor, you know, in my gap year when I was 18 at Emmett on German Street. That's where I met Patrick Johnson. He was, he was there at the time as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then kind of went through a lot of iterations. So starting working there then going more into design um working with a variety of kind of like commercial brands um eventually ending up in kind of creative director roles and then kind of at the end kind of because of that and you know being so involved with the whole marketing side of a lot of these brands I ended up kind of falling off the other side and kind of started taking pictures which felt like a really even though i think you know I think some people feel like I slightly came out of nowhere with the photography thing. I feel like actually all of that experience was very much leading up to that point the whole time for me. It was just about really finding a voice and finding a um, finding a voice and 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 kind of finding uh, a space which felt kind of appropriate for what I wanted to do. Right, because where did you grow up? I was born in London, but then I, when I was a kid, I lived in Hong Kong. I was my family were working out there when my dad was working out there, um, and then came back to the UK. Grew up in the countryside, went to boarding school in the UK in the countryside, and then lived pretty much in London since then. Except for a few, I, I, lived, I lived in Paris for a few years when I was working as a designer. But I've kind of been back in London for quite some time. But then always been quite mobile as well. Can you kind of distill the romance of boarding school to Americans? Because for me, <laughs> I watched The Crown. And, and I, you know, I have some friends that have been to some boarding schools and stuff. And most of them that at least my buddies have like, had a lot of like weird memories about it, you know, like they were like, Oh, this was weird. A friend of mine is like a Holden Caulfield and got like kicked out of boarding schools and stuff like that. He's probably listening to this. He's going to message me afterwards. But like, you know, like, what, what is some of that stuff like? And I know that's a very ambiguous question. Yeah, but. no, 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 no. I mean, do you know what? When you're in it, you don't really kind of understand how specific it is. Right. And like, so I went to King's Canterbury, which is, well, I think on record, the oldest school in the world. And it's, and there, well, there's been a school in that space since like for the longest amount of time. And it's around Canterbury Cathedral, although it's not a cathedral school. Um, and we used to wear like, wing collars and pinstripe trousers and blazers and there was a guy called the beadle who had a bowler hat who's who an old like retired sergeant major or something whose job it was to basically tell you to tuck in your shirt um yeah and he used to go and like you know kind of like used to go on dates with girls and go to like the cloisters of the, the cathedral and stuff like that it was it, and like in, in hindsight it was incredibly picturesque 
I mean, you're living in these amazing grounds. At the time, you take it hugely for granted. You don't you think that's just what life is like, which of course it isn't. Right. Um, and I think there is a degree of privilege which you almost have to deprogram yourself from afterwards, just because your experience of the world is so completely separate from from actually what it is. Right. But um, but no, it's beautiful, and I think a lot of the texture of that I have a huge romance for still. Um, just because it is so, I mean, it's you know, it does really relate to all that kind of even war and kind of you know, Brazil and revisited and all of this kind of all of this kind of world. They're really the, the texture is still there, even if people you know have iPhones now. It's still those are the same buildings, it's the same kind of uniform, it's the same kind of old desks and all of this kind of stuff. It is, it's very very charming. I'd love to go back. I haven't been back there for ten years, but um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's funny because I um, you know, I'll keep embarrassing myself. Um, a friend of mine, he does a lot of documentary stuff. And he, you know, sometimes we'll go out and we'll have a drink or, you know, chat. And he was like, you know, he's like, I'm trying to figure out some different things to do a documentary on. And one of them was like the history of specifically British boarding schools. And yeah. I was like, oh, man, that's so cool. Because, you know, I mean, you talk about like Eaton and things like that, that have, you know, bred prime ministers and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and there's... Yeah. um. You know, and I was like, yeah, I was like, that'd be great. He's like, yeah, the thing I have to find a way to like navigate is you don't want to be the guy showing up at like a kid's school with a camera <laughs> and being like, yeah. can I record everything? <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. And you know what, though? I, I, you know, you're right. You're right. But I've often thought how, like how, what a rich, like what, what, what a rich subject that is. And you're right. There's an ambiguity. Like, but, but there is a, like, a, like a difficult ambiguity that you have to kind of navigate with. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, you know, you can't come out of nowhere and do that. I think it, it, it does help to have a degree of a profile already, which gives you a degree of kind of just legitimacy, if you will. Yeah. yeah but no, yeah. And there's something amazing about like, about just like that whole, the whole drama unfolding and the whole kind of just like teenage drama within this really cloistered kind of grand environment, which is so historical, but obviously at the same time, the people are living in a very modern world and all those juxtapositions, I think are really, really beautiful. And there is just a real serenity to it. Like, I mean, like if you were like as an art director, you look at that stuff and you're just like, wow, this is like, it is so much of a type. It's kind of perfect. Yeah. There's like a, a form of order that I think a lot mm. of, Americans romanticize and also I mean it doesn't you know it doesn't help that everyone here is still obsessed with like Harry Potter and you know and so like all those things are kind of like ingrained into it like oh what would it be like to you know what's a prefect you know what are all these you know um <laughs> like I think I thought prefect was like a typo versus like it was supposed to yeah. be perfect you know like there's just so <laughs> much like kind of beauty in that stuff well there is that... yeah and, and and also what's funny is i say there are all these like and all the schools like have their really specific language like we didn't have detention we had something called jockers which is which is basically like if you skip lessons you were jocking a class and go there but that was very much specific to king's canterbury and it was something that came from the history of king's canterbury so you had this guy who used to tell you it's like a shirt and called the beadle uh, we didn't have prefects they were called purples because they used to wear purple robes oh. all this kind of stuff i mean you can't really again it seems really present to me because I grew up with it but it is like when you think of it it's actually incredibly kind of like precise and rich and kind of wonderful when you look back on it yeah I because while we were talking I looked it up it was holy shit it said it was started in 597 AD yeah that's right jeez it's older than <laughs> Westminster that's older than Westminster Abbey <laughs> yeah I know right I really know. yeah it's flex isn't it <laughs> <laughs> that's sick so anyway so <laughs> When did you meet Patrick Johnson? Because you you had said that you were you were you know you were working in Savile Row. 
No, yes, and they were on German Street. That oh, in German so Street, I, pardon I, me. I, yeah, so I got a job there on my gap year when I left school. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Patrick was there working for Rob and, you know, running the tailoring there and stuff like that. And we, um, pa- Patrick's a few years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and but we very quickly became very good friends. And we had a real kind of, back then, Rob was, Rob was really interested in like Neapolitan tailoring and stuff like that. And that was something which it was way before the whole Sartorialist thing and stuff like that. And you that just didn't exist outside of, you know, little shops in, you know, in Italy and stuff like that. There wasn't really like a like people just didn't really know about it. It was before Tumblr had hit it and stuff like that. And Rob just kind of kind of showed us that whole world. He had all these great little jackets that he got, you know, stuff from like, what was it called? Fleno Grigio in Rome and stuff like that. And little and, and little kind of bespoke jackets from Naples. And we, and we just got really into that. I really enjoyed it. And we and there was I say there wasn't like a there wasn't a community or a real kind of access to that anywhere in London at that point. So we just kind of like kind of like kind of built it up ourselves, I suppose. But that's that's where that's how our kind of friendship started. When were you like you were pretty into clothes at the time because you're working there? Like what what were some of the stuff that you were wearing? Because I feel like one of the things that it always interests me is, you know, I've had a lot of friends that work in fashion. But I'm always the most interested in what are the brands and things that they wore that they couldn't get for free. Uh, yeah, I mean back then <laughs> it's pretty funny. I don't have. Have you ever heard of a Sloan Ranger? Do you know what that is? No, the the Sloan so that, Ranger. Sloan Ranger. It was a thing. I think it was it's a Peter York. It was a book in like the 80s, and it was a kind of like a type who used to hang out on the King's Road, and then he's kind of slightly like, and you wear like old Thomas pink shirts and like baggy baggy like. 501s with like the, the back and the heels kind of busted out because you this is like on them. okay this is like the the british uh preppy handbook yeah exactly and so this was a thing and it's never, it's never a cool thing i'm not really proud to kind of like but that was definitely when i left school i was definitely in that phase where like i used to get my dad's old like you know kind of thomas pink like shirts which were like you know fucked on the elbows and stuff like that and old like yeah and old like kind of like suede loafers from like new and lingwood and like and, and jeans worn a bit low with like a polo belt and stuff like that like very very actually in hindsight very not cool <laughs> but uh but that was definitely where i started and patrick gave me shit out about it pretty quickly and then i think i kind of sharpened up a bit but yeah, that was that, that, that was where it started at the beginning. Apparently, um, the late Princess of Wales, Princess Diana, was considered the archetypal Sloan Ranger of the 1980s. That's it, exactly. And used to, and it was kind of like part, but and then it was just there was a kind of like there was it was almost I mean it, it wasn't at all, but there was like you know like like you'd have like sun in in your hair and stuff like that, you know. I don't know what that is that kind of beach you put in such. Yeah, I'm just like it was all very like kind of beefy it was and it definitely kind of links to that say that kind of preppy thing but it's very disheveled but also just like quite quite like expensive classic clothing at the same time there's a kind of a reverence to it which i do which actually and that i do appreciate the same way i appreciate that kind of preppy wardrobe i think it's the same it's about it's about treating a lot of those things which are more timeless and more precious with a degree of irreverence yeah i think is really nice i mean everyone wants the stuff that they didn't really grow up around right so like in america everyone's fascinated with prep schools and and you know the 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 history of uh of like classic tailoring and stuff like that and then you know i i remember when i had some british friends when i first moved to new york and they were obsessed with abercrombie and like california style like they loved the beach boys it's funny you said sun in because they all had like you know like (laughs) blonde tips and stuff and i was like what the fuck i was like what are you (laughs) What is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
So you're there for a while and you kind of move your way up the creative ladder into which you go from working in a shop to designing the clothes. Yeah, which happened kind of like I, I like I was kind of and I was kind of involved with tailoring for a bit and doing made to measure where I learned a lot and obviously a lot about fit and stuff like that. So that was a kind of like that was the kind of and actually during that time, it was kind of when the whole street style thing kind of started and and, and kind of got picked up a bit on that mm-hmm. and ended up because of that. Want to hear the rest? Join us over on Patreon. You'll hear this episode in tons more exclusive pods from the return of Sid Mashburn, Michael Hill of Drakes, Chris Gibbs of Union, Ilaria Urbanati. We got over 30 episodes. You also get access to our private members-only Slack group where we chat about menswear and a bit of everything. There's even a book club on there. So visit patreon.com forward slash blammo and we'll see you there.